Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm the teaching pastor here. And we're starting a, a new series today called What If? And what if is a question that just, it starts adventure, right? I mean, it might lead you somewhere that you don't necessarily want to end up, but it's always at the very beginning of some sort of adventure. What if we went down this road? What if we went around that corner? What if we went just a little bit further? I remember uh, last summer, I wanted to take Cohen and his cousin Connor on a creek walk. And so we had waterproof shoes. It was going to be a great day. But that uh, quickly evolved because Connor and Cohen uh, kept asking, well, what if we just went a little bit further? And me, being a sucker for that question, said, let's do it. And so the creek walk uh, quickly turned into a river swim when Cohen and Connor were up to their chins in river water. And I was thinking, uh-oh, we weren't prepared for this. <laughs> we were not ready to end up in this situation, but they were having a blast and they were swimming. And I kept saying, can you still reach the bottom? And they were saying, yeah, you can. <laughs> I was like, okay, great, that's good. But what if was the, was the question that kept us going? What if we just, come on, what if we just saw that big, area right there, the little waterfall that turned into a bigger waterfall that is like, uh. and then we got out and we had to explain why they were head to toe soaked with water. And I'm fortunate to have the wife that I do that you was like, I'm glad that you guys went and did that and that you're home safely. But today we're asking that question in terms of the church. What if, what if we took seriously some core conviction? What if individually I took seriously some of these core convictions, and if we all did that, how would it transform how we operate around here? What would look different about our future one, five, ten years from now if we all decided together we're going to do these things? What if we discipled? What if we took seriously the calling to make disciples? What if we served each other? And saw others' needs as more important than our own and humbled ourselves and lift each other, lifted each other up? What if we prayed and relied completely on the strength of an eternal God and a Father who will give us strength and wisdom as we act, ask for it and will give us everything as we align our lives with his will? Because if we ask according to his will, he hears us. What if we prayed? What if we did these things? And today we're talking about what if we discipled? What if we took seriously this calling to go and make disciples? It's important to ask these questions from time to time. It's important to look out at, at the future and remind ourselves what are the most important foundational elements that have to happen because there are a lot of people here. I know from experience, I know from conversations there, there are a lot of people here that are passionate about this congregation, this expression of the church, the ecclesia, the movement of God's people on earth and the advancing kingdom. And that passion can start to drift sometimes when we don't have clarity on clear expectations of where we're headed. And that drift can happen in subtle ways because it starts with the right question. How do we be the best expression of God's tangible kingdom here on earth? 
And when you lose clarity on, well, we need to disciple one another well, we need to serve one another, and we need to pray, then it can transform into, okay, so we need to create a comfortable experience for people, and a comfortable experience means that we need nice, comfortable chairs, and we better have hot coffee, and we should get the best coffee in the world because people love coffee. And it's like, those are all good questions to ask, but they're not the best questions. It starts with the good question, but then drift happens, and we start to build a more comfortable experience from ourselves, and these are not the most important answers. Are we giving up on coffee? No. That's good news to a lot of you, I'm sure. We will ask and answer the questions of how do we remove distractions from people being able to hear and understand the gospel? How do we help make sure people can get in the doors here so they can hear the message? But those are not the most important questions. Most of our energy, most of our concern, most of our priorities should go into how am I living my life to advance God's kingdom on earth? How am I living as a disciple maker? And if you're brand new around here, or you've only been here a couple weeks, this can sound like a conversation that probably isn't for you because you might be in the room today and thinking, I don't even know what I want to do when it comes to Jesus. I came here because somebody brought me here, or I'm just unsure, or I saw that you guys had coffee. <laughs> uh, and so I'm just here today. Like I said, this is about clarifying expectations. You're in exactly the right spot, and you're not here on accident. You can hear This is who we want to become as a church. This is what a life pursuing Jesus could look like for you. Because when church just becomes about the the gathering together, you only get a part of what a full life with Jesus is supposed to be about. A good part, a part that is encouraging, a part that builds community, a part that provides hope and care sometimes in difficult times, but it's only a part. It's a fractioned experience. There's more purpose that can be unlocked in your life as you live in the mission that God has for you. As you live in the explicit mission that Jesus calls us all into. So today, we ask the question, what if we discipled? And if you would, would you pray with me as we get started? God, we thank you for purpose and for mission. Help us to have clarity in how to follow you well. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As we begin, I think it's important to remember that this isn't just about this place. It's not just about the church. This is not some church growth strategy. This is not the silver bullet to fix all the problems in the church. This is about us becoming what Jesus is calling us all to be, the thing that he's called us all to become, this change that happens as we align ourselves with what God has for us. Discipleship isn't just a church thing. It is a kingdom thing. It's not just about this place. It's about what Jesus calls us all into. So this is an individual decision and conviction that we all need to align ourselves with. And if we do that, it will start to change this place. So, in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said this. He said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you always, even to the very end of the age.
Therefore, go and make disciples. We are, from the very beginning, a disciple-making organization. We're a place where we should look ahead of us for an example to follow and behind us for someone to show what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be willing to open our lives up to someone who wants to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. And you say, hey, I'm following Jesus. You can follow my example because I'm following the example of somebody else. And you let that become the story of your life. We've said this every week so far this year, uh, and we're going to say it a, a lot of times, so just stick with us. But we define a disciple as someone who is uh, following Jesus. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. Three things. You accept this invitation. I will follow you, Jesus. I'll let you change me, and then I'm going to commit my life to the mission that you have for my life. I will follow you. For a really long time in my life, for probably the past 20 years, I would have told you that life-to-life discipleship is the most important thing in the church. It's what Jesus modeled. He showed us when he invited these guys to come and be his disciples that he was going to live his whole life and do his ministry journey alongside these men, not just in sectioned programmatic pieces, but they had access to everything his whole life. They traveled together. And I would have told you that was the most important thing, but I had a, I had a misunderstanding. And it came from my experience. I had someone who was willing to walk alongside me when I was an immature boy. I mean, I was a teenage boy. I lived that experience. I know how immature I was. I know how often I laughed at fart jokes. I know how often I did immature and stupid things. And this person, his name's Chris, he chose to stick with me as I giggled at stupid jokes and as I did stupid things. And he was willing to have a conversation with me where he said, hey, this is not what a disciple of Jesus would do when it came to different pivotal moments in my life. And he stuck with me. He was there at high school graduation. He was there at college graduation. He married Emily and I. I mean, he gave his life to helping me understand for those years what it looked like to genuinely pursue Jesus. And I was able to ask him questions about what his quiet time looked like, about how he studied scripture, the way that he journaled. For a long time in my life, my scripture journal looked like his because that was the example I had of what prayer looked like. And he had this journal, his leather, his whatever, and so I got my version of that. But then I thought, okay, discipleship. I need to go and hand that off to somebody else. And so I'd go and I'd be like, so here's discipleship. You can have this. Hope you understand it. Good luck disciple now. And then I go to somebody else and be like, okay, here's discipleship. You can have this. You have discipleship now. Good. And it would go. And I thought that that, that's what I was doing. I was giving discipleship to somebody. I was helping them understand what it looked like to follow Jesus. But I wasn't thinking generationally enough. I wasn't thinking about what would happen after that. And the realization that I had was that I'm not called just to hand out discipleship as if it's some product to be consumed or some concept to be mastered. I needed to walk alongside people until they understood what it looked like to make a disciple. So I'm not done 
discipling somebody until they understand what it looks like to live their whole lives helping others become a disciple. And the understanding that I have is that it thinks beyond. And so discipleship is taking seriously the calling to teach someone how to teach someone to become a disciple. And that might seem like a kind of a confusing or awkwardly worded sentence, but it helped me understand this even more. A discipleship, discipleship is taking seriously the calling to teach someone how to teach someone to become a disciple maker. I'm not done until you can clearly articulate what a whole life following Jesus looks like. I'm not done until you understand what it means to help someone understand what it means to follow Jesus. John Maxwell said, you don't really know something until you can teach it. And I was cutting short discipleship with a lot of people until I understood it's not, it's not over until you can teach it. And being able to teach something takes a whole different level of understanding. A whole different amount of time to be willing to walk with someone. In other words, we here will make disciples who make disciples. We're going to make sure that people understand following Jesus so much that they can help others understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. The Apostle Paul summarized this uh, really well in his letter to the Corinthians. Paul um, had an unbelievable transformational experience. He was Saul in Acts chapter 9. He has this crazy conversion experience where he's face-to-face with Jesus and, they have, and he gets aligned with God's mission in the world and he spends the rest of his life making disciples and helping to shape the churches. I would encourage you to go and read Acts chapter 9 and then look at the, all the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament. I mean, he's shaping churches. But the primary call in his life is to make disciples as those churches are being built. And in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says this, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, that is a courageous thing to say. Because you're saying to someone when you say that, Look at my life. And as you study Scripture, and as we study Scripture together, you look at my life, and anywhere that those things don't line up, anywhere that those two things don't correlate, anywhere there's a discrepancy, you can call me out on that, and we're going to have a conversation about it, because I'm telling you, I'm willing to become an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And as I do that, I'm going to gain a different understanding, because you're going to notice blind spots in my life, and there's going to be accountability in that. Discipleship isn't about perfection. It's about being willing to walk alongside someone and get to answers when the questions come up. You don't have to know all the answers. You have to be willing to take people to the one that has the answers and be willing to open your life up to accountability, to sincerely follow Jesus so that somebody can look at you and say, hey, can I follow your example? You can say, yeah, because I followed somebody else's. So let's fig- figure this out together. Paul, just before he wrote that in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, said this in 1 Corinthians 10.32 and 33. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God. What he's saying here 
is that live your life so that people can see the gospel in action. Be willing to be seen as an example for Christ. And so let everything else fall away so that you can be an example to follow. You don't need to leave your job or leave your family or quit anything to find a mission field or become a disciple maker. You can just look around in your life and find somebody that you're going to interact with, that you do interact with on a regular basis, and let them be, be able to ask you the questions and say to them, hey, do you want to figure out what following Jesus looks like? And like I said, a disciple doesn't have to have all the answers, but you can point people to and go with them to the one that does have the answers. Discipleship is being willing to be in the trenches side by side with people in the waves of life. They know you. They know your heart. And you can keep helping them learn as you lean in together on this life with Jesus. Discipleship is deeply important, but not wildly complicated. It's a willingness to be present, vulnerable, and truth-seeking with someone. It's a willingness to be present, vulnerable, and truth-seeking with someone. You will go to Scripture with life's questions. You'll go to God's Word to find the way to navigate through life. It's not going to be easy. It'll be hard. It'll take sacrifice. It'll take time. It'll take being willing to be asked difficult questions because accountability is part of it. And to be willing to, to, to own up to your mistakes. We choose to go after discipleship. Like I said, not because it's some church growth strategy, but because it is the expressed mission that we're sent on by the one who came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life as an example and then die on a cross from us, for us. And before he left, he said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and become the smartest disciple. Make sure you show up at church every week and check all the boxes. He said, you go and make disciples of all nations. That's what I'm calling you into. You, all, you have breath in your lungs. You choose to follow me. You have purpose in this world. You matter to the kingdom of God, which is advancing in the world. You go and make a disciple. Follow somebody's example and be willing to be an example to somebody else. This is what we can do together. If we make disciples who make disciples, it's not primarily just to change this place, but it will change this place. We see all throughout Scripture a different way of living that's outlined. If we make disciples, we make disciples. We'd be a community of believers who had everything in common, and we devoted ourselves to the teaching of Scripture and prayer, and we would add to our number daily those being saved, as we see in Acts 2, verses 42 through 44. If we made disciples and made disciples, we would uncover the God-given purpose in our lives, and we would find full and sincere pursuit of Jesus that was strengthened by scripturally driven accountability, as we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If we make disciples who make disciples, then we no one would go unnoticed because enough people would show up 
looking to find those that need served instead of just coming in to be served themselves. There's a time when you need to be served, but that's not forever in your pursuit of Jesus. Eventually you show up looking to serve, as we see we're called to in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. If we made disciples who made disciples, we show up ready to worship and be glad together because we're celebrating being on mission and caring for one another. As we see in Colossians 3.16, we would experience freedom in Christ, like we see in Galatians 5.1, and we could help restore a broken world, as we see in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 17. When you look out at the scale of the brokenness in the world, like Dave said just a few minutes ago, you can get tired. It can be overwhelming. Because sometimes the world is dark and seems too broken and the scale seems too big. That's when we need to remember that we're called to make disciples who make disciples. And so the math works that if I choose to disciple two people over the next year and only three other people over the course of the two services that we had today choose to do the same, to spend the next year discipling two people until all of those people that we're discipling spend the next year also discipling two people, and then we repeat and do two more people. The math works out that in just four years, we'd have enough disciple makers to fill this room with no seats left to spare. And if we spent just 10 years doing that, and everybody took seriously, in this, in this chain, it went unbroken, it would take just 10 years to reach a population the size that currently lives in Miamisburg. It's not impossible to change the world, but it takes a sincere desire to get back to the core mission that Jesus sent us out to do. He has the strategy we need to follow. He has the wisdom we need to listen. We will become people that make disciples. I want to become somebody that gets better and better at making disciples who make disciples. I want to be more and more willing and open with my life so that I can say to people, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I'm not where I am because I'm so smart. I'm where I am because people who were ahead of me were willing to share their life. This would change our world, your workplace, your family life. It's just getting back to what Jesus called us to. Therefore, go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Will you pray with me? God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for purpose. Help us to follow you well. Help us to have the courage to open our lives up. To be willing to be seen and known for our pursuit of you. Not our perfection in you not how smart we are or talented, but by a sincere pursuit to be changed by you. God, help us to say over and over again, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. We love you. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.